I V M. We're all familiar with the pop-ups that tell us to accept or reject cookies whenever we visit a new website. And depending on how much we think about online privacy, we simply reject or accept all cookies. We see cookies as evil, which mine our data to show us ads. The reality is a lot more complicated than that. Managing our data and privacy online is becoming challenging by the day as more and more of our life goes online. Thankfully, there is hope on the horizon. Today, there are companies which help organizations manage their user data in an ethical and legally compliant manner while giving all the power in the hands of users across all segments, including the next half billion. The next half billion or the NHB are the core of this podcast. They represent the second big wave of internet users in India, hence the term next. We define them as a cohort of 500 million first-time internet users who have come online via their mobile phones in five years. From a demographic standpoint, they are mainly from the bottom 60% of India's income distribution. They are owners of small businesses like beauty salons and kirana shops, and also blue-collar workers, domestic workers, security guards, etc. We are building a greater comfort with tech and represent the hustle and ambition of an aspiring India. I'm Utsav, an ex-engineer, market researcher, traveler, and podcaster. And I'm Nivedita, an ex-engineer turned comedian and writer. And you're listening to Smartphone Nation, how the next half billion are shaping their future online. In today's episode, we tell you how in a world run by algorithms, consumers, regulators, and organizations are building a privacy-first digital ecosystem. So Nivedita, tell me, how many times has it happened to you that you were talking about something with a friend and you started seeing ads for it on Instagram? Oh man, more than I can count. I'm convinced that Instagram and honestly, every other app is snooping on me. Yes, I feel that the truth is a little more complicated than that. However, Instagram may not be listening to you. How are you so confident about this? Because recording and storing voice data of millions of people would be too cost-intensive. Also, it would be simply illegal. And the possibility of fines from governing bodies could run into billions of dollars. Okay, that sounds fair. But then, how do these apps get so good at showing relevant ads then? We all know these algorithms are behind them, but can they get that good? Oh yes, they can get really, really good. However, what concerns me is how much algorithms govern our lives. Wait, so you're telling me that they go beyond Netflix recommendations and Amazon shopping suggestions? Like beyond serving advertising and pushing me to consume? Not just pushing you to consume, but what exactly you consume. On September 9, 2019, Martina McBride published an Instagram story about her experience trying to build a playlist using the Spotify recommender system. She titled her playlist Country Music and was startled to see that the service was only recommending songs by male artists. McBride refreshed her recommendations 13 times before a song by a woman was included in her list of options. This story went viral and she had an opportunity to speak directly with the representative of Spotify who was unaware that there was a lack of female artists in their recommender system. This should not be surprising though. In her book, Weapons of Math Destruction, the mathematician Cathy O'Neill writes about the ways that algorithms uphold norms. She says that algorithms don't make things fair if you just simply apply them. They repeat our past practices, our patterns. They simply automate the status quo. And it gets worse. Remember the Facebook and the Cambridge Analytica scandal? In the 2010s, 
Personal data belonging to millions of Facebook users was collected without their consent by the British consulting firm Cambridge Analytica. It was predominantly used for political advertising. This had some real-world implications. Cambridge Analytica used the data to provide analytical assistance to the 2016 US presidential campaigns of Ted Cruz and Donald Trump, which may have contributed to their winning the elections. Ah, yes, I remember this. But at the same time, we must remember that data and algorithms are not inherently good or bad. I was in Poland last month and spoke precisely zero Polish. If it were not for Google Maps helping with directions, I would have been a very lost traveler. GPS was invented to launch nuclear missiles. And now, it helps lost travelers like me. Oh yeah, that's what GPS was first invented for. Anyway, I'm worried about the companies that have our data. Sometimes, I'm not even sure what my cookies are being used for. To show me the ad of the next school smartphone? Or maybe use my data to manipulate, say, my voting preferences? Actually, one way to think about privacy is hacking of the mind. Manipulating our choices in a way that may not always be in our favor. This reminds me of that episode on Black Mirror, a Netflix show. It's about how everyone has embraced this technology where everyone rates their interactions with other people on a scale from 1 to 5 stars. If you even appear unlikable or rude, people rate you less and it affects your socioeconomic status with some very real-world consequences. I'm talking consequences like having less than 1 star could send you to prison. Okay, no, I'm not going that far. But digital and data privacy is important. So much so that in July 2012, the United Nations Human Rights Council affirmed that the same rights that people have offline must also be protected online, in particular freedom of expression. It was the first UN resolution to affirm that human rights in the digital realm must be protected and promoted just like in the physical world. Honestly, I want to go a step further. In 2018, computer scientists Jaron Lanier and Glenn Whale proposed the idea of data dignity. At the heart of the concept is the premise that the user must be paid for using their data. It tends to turn the data into a property that is owned by the user and is compensated by the company for monetizing their property. I'm all for it. I want to be paid for posting on the internet. All of us will become influencers then. This sounds revolutionary. I'm curious as to how far this idea has gone. It's currently only on paper, but otherwise, the cause for human rights in the digital realm has seen concrete steps. Earlier this year, India enacted the Digital Personal Data Protection, DPDP Act 2023, which grants individuals the right to protect their personal data. But what I want to know is how companies manage, store and use my data. Interesting you bring that up, because this is what Shilpa Kumar, a partner at Omidya Network India, an impact investment firm that invests in companies in this space talks about. So managing privacy processes is really going to become very critical, both from earning consumer trust point of view, as well as from a compliance point of view. The fact of the matter, though, is managing all this is intensive on processes. It is intensive in terms of time and cost for all the companies involved. And therefore, really to find a smart and efficient way to manage privacy compliance and safeguard data, protect privacy will become extremely important. And I think that's really what Privasapian brings to the table in terms of being able to actually analyze what your privacy footprint is in terms of data. And also when data flows either through the organization or to, you know, outside organizations, again, 
what's the privacy footprint that is there and like i said for both trust reasons as well as for you know regulation and compliance reasons it's really going to become important to manage this efficiently okay but who is building these solutions which help companies navigate privacy and identity let me introduce you to abilash sondarajan the founder and ceo of privacypn he started off as a network security engineer and in the early 2000s he fell in love with wifi when it was just an emerging technology having lived and worked all over the world and seeing technology evolve in the security space he understood the importance of privacy and the adoption of responsible data practices especially in india as a sizable population is coming online for the first time here is abilash i would say the internet and ai today is in the wild wild west phase right including ai we are in the stone age of internet and ai so the next era that is coming up is the privacy era of ai or gartner calls it the human centric ai hcai so that's the future now we have seen things like chat gpt the potential of it now what has happened is the knowledge has become commoditized today the only thing left with human beings or homo sapiens is our identity and our privacy everything else is sort of commoditized now so if we don't protect it we will become a commodity i understand what abilash is trying to say once we give up our information our thoughts our buying behavior and our decision making everything could be manipulated by algorithms and these are profit driven algorithms which would not always have our interests at heart so with this core motivation abilash started privacypn it's a platform that helps companies evaluate and mitigate privacy risks here is abilash talking about the fundamental gaps in this space so countries are coming up with their privacy regulations but it's a very tricky situation where typically a technology comes up then regulation comes up for it for example ai technology is there we don't even have regulation for it we are thinking how should we regulate it you have technologies for compliance but compliance is a check mark for most of the organizations right it's not by design how the data flows what data you collect how you process it and things like those are not actually captured uh, as part of this process so how do you you know build technologies for privacy is one of the very important challenges while i agree with what he says i also want my data to have utility for me i'm okay with sharing my location data with google maps because it provides me with a genuinely useful service but i also want safeguards and knowledge as to how my data is being used i want a balance between utility and privacy so basically you want to have your cake and eat it too i honestly don't think i'm asking for too much you actually are not world over companies are trying to move to the idea of privacy by design it means that our technology itself should be designed in such a way that data protection is baked into it so you mean privacy as an outright intent and not an afterthought you got it I could not have said it better. Privacy regulations globally are talking about it. Whether it's Europe's General Data Protection Regulation (GDPR), India's DPDP, or the US's California Consumer Privacy Act, all of them are stressing privacy by design. For example, Article 25 of GDPR is about data protection by design and by default. So we're essentially upping the game. What was considered ideal before is now going to become the norm. But how exactly does privacy by design operate? The first thing we need to understand is that any consent taken from a user has to be clean, crisp and specific. It cannot be too broad and it has to be bound to a purpose. Secondly, there are certain rights we as individuals need to have. There are seven such rights defined in GDPR. And what would those be? I'll tell you that. 
बट राइट आफ्टर अ शॉर्ट ब्रेक वेलकम बैक टू स्मार्ट फोन नेशन वी वर टॉकिंग अबाउट द सेवन राइट्स इन जीडीपीआर दे वुड बी द राइट ऑफ एक्सेस द राइट टू रेक्टिफिकेशन द राइट टू इरेजर द राइट टू रिस्ट्रिक्ट प्रोसेसिंग द राइट टू डेटा पोर्टेबिलिटी एंड द राइट टू ऑब्जेक्ट द लास्ट वन इज अ पर्सनल फेवरेट द राइट नॉट टू बी सब्जेक्ट टू अ डिसीजन बेस्ड सोलली ऑन ऑटोमेटेड प्रोसेसिंग Ah uh, this reminds me of the time last year when Apple allowed iPhone users to opt out of being tracked by the apps they use. The CFO of Facebook's parent company Meta announced that they would lose 10 billion dollars in sales in 2022 alone and the stock price began to tumble. It fell by over a quarter knocking 230 billion dollars off its market value overnight. Of course, Apple's stock gained, but more importantly, it signals that people care about privacy. As of 2022, about 75% of Apple users opted out of being tracked by advertisers. But the consent to being tracked is only one part of privacy. Here is Abhilash talking more about it. So, consent is not the only component. Consent is just a you know notice precursor for an organization to collect data. It captures the context of processing of data. Now, the organization also needs tools and technologies to ensure that they don't go beyond this purpose. and build privacy by design data minimization per context into their data pipelines and data streams right and it is not like you you get data and then you sell it to somebody that's not going to be the case anymore that's the wild wild west or stone age of data era right now the next era is the privacy era where including it's a great opportunity in fact for marketers and advertisers to be a leader to say that hey we are privacy first marketing platform it may sound very oxymoronic but that's the way the future is if somebody wants to be a leader that's the only way because that's the legal and ethical way so it's you know with the right mindset that's the right way to do okay do you have consent for people who have consented for this marketing campaign we'll only reach out to those people we will help you get more consent but that is very important right that's the right approach so consent is one part now if you don't have consent how do you unlock data that's where privacy engineering comes in or even if you want to do privacy by design in your data pipelines within organization how do you use the data without violating people's privacy gain insights but it's not something which you can use to manipulate an individual's mind but can use for a larger good so that's where privacy engineering comes so privacy engineering is essentially gathering information beyond consent in a way which does not violate privacy but is also beneficial to the companies as they can use that information Sounds like a tightrope walk to me. I imagine it is one, but it is a walk which organizations will increasingly have to walk. This has to be the data architecture of companies going forward. Whether you are a data first or an AI first organization, privacy is the first stumbling block to even touch the data of your customers. So if data is the new oil and apps are the oil fields, then privacy engineering is the refinery. And companies must not care about this only from a regulatory or legal perspective. There is also consumer confidence to be won. Listen to Abhilash talk about that. You know, from a layman perspective, what is very important is they have lot of data subject rights which they should exercise, and they will be building something called a digital trust between them and the enterprises. So, for example, Apple naturally has a digital trust today. When you say you know people are comfortable. wearing apple products you know taking apple products along with them and you know speak very sensitive things because they believe that apple will protect their privacy 
So this is digital trust and this is going to happen across ecosystem. This I'm saying because you want people to understand. People, a layman may not understand privacy by design uh, when we speak about data architecture, data flows and all, right? It may be very deep concept for him and he need not even understand. For him, uh, you know, how does he build trust, digital trust with an enterprise? How much does he believe in enterprise is what the question is, right? So he should be given minimal, you know, specific consent uh, notice, basically. So he should say that we are collecting data only for A, B, C, D and not beyond that. Probably we will use privacy techniques, for example, anonymization, where you cannot be re-identified for, you know, for doing product development and other research activities on top of it. We will not use your personal data for anything beyond say, reaching out to you, servicing you, giving you an alert, which is very important and things like those. Marketing activities, everything will happen only on anonymous data. It will not happen on your personal data. I guess I am going to have my cake and eat it too. You will. And companies like Privacypean are there to help. They are building a host of privacy-enhancing technologies which help companies achieve this fine balance. Here is Abhilash talking about it. So we have two products today. One is called Privacy X-Ray, the other is called Event Horizon. So Privacy X-Ray is a privacy risk visualization product because the first thing that we got to know from the market is that hey, the DPO is like a microbiologist, right? He looks into the data and he has to take decisions. But the problem is he does not even have a microscope today. So we need a microscope. He is the first requirement from a DPO. So hence we build something called Privacy X-Ray. So you need to see what is happening, look at the data and see what level of risks are present in data, what kind of singling out risk can be done, what kind of linkage risk can be done, what kind of outlier risk can be done from which people can end up learning more about individuals, which should not happen. So for example, there is, let's say, there is somebody who is, uh, you know, who weighs 250 kilos in Chennai. Probably is the only person, the closest next is like 150, 180 kgs, right? So you will be able to uniquely identify that person or any user, just like two, three attributes, in your apartment, you are the only person with a specific date of birth and a car model, right? There is no PAS given, but just these two three attributes, you can be uniquely re-identified, right? Exactly an attack which, which was done in the late 90s or early 2000s, where a mayor actually published for health insurance, he published the information about all people in their state for insurance research. After just removing the PAS, because he felt that after removing your name, your social security number, something like Aadhaar number, it is anonymous, right? So all the researcher did was, she just took the combination of the date of birth, their zip code and gender, and she could uniquely identify 85% of the population. That is scary. I now understand why anonymization is not enough. We definitely need more privacy-enhancing technologies. That is just one reason why it is important for data protection officers or DPOs to identify privacy risks so that such events do not occur, which could be used in dangerous ways. Privacy Pin is able to give a risk score from 0 to 100 and help the DPO and product teams in organizations have a rich and concrete conversation about how to mitigate this risk. So we are building a platform with these products, right? One product is Privacy X-Ray, the other product is Event Horizon. So what Event Horizon does is basically anonymizing because we think this is one of the very fundamental first steps where if you don't have consent, you can't even touch data. They can use the data only where there is consent. Now, how do they meet other requirements? So they can probably anonymize data as one of the applications uh, where they can anonymize data and use it for their understanding. For example, let's say somebody wants to understand as we are speaking about the mobile use case, right? They want to understand 
what kind of features are important to customers and what is not. They just need to anonymize data, understand the pattern of usage and use it. I can see why that data matters so much to companies. Everything from drug discovery to underwriting insurance to deciding who to give a loan to depends on data. And with very specific data available to companies, even as little as four to five attributes could uniquely identify a person. Yes. And the threats go beyond just penalties from regulatory bodies. For example, the maximum penalty for the cost of a data breach in India could be up to rupees 250 crores. However, there is a business advantage to have privacy by design as a part of a company's architecture. And the soul of an organization on their core competency, how do you unlock data? Because the other option is you can't even access data anymore. And this is the challenge when we are discussing with businesses. Businesses think that they are getting data today and uh, they can just continue using it the same way, right? But that's not true anymore. You cannot just get a very broad consent and keep sharing data with whomever you want, right? And majority of the businesses are, uh, you know, moving to cloud now and uh, you don't know which bucket you have access, which bucket you have opened access to uh, people, what policies are open. Because majority of the data breaches, if you look at it, you know, a significant 70% of or more of them are primarily because of the manual error, probably configuration error and things like those in at the access level for data. And then, of course, there is abuse of data and other things which are other parts. But this is a very fundamental problem. So a bank should be able to flag a suspicious cross-border transaction based on my past usage, but it should not be able to market a Forex card to me based on that transaction. I completely agree. This would avoid unnecessary marketing, but still increase my faith in my bank. I agree too. In fact, when I think of privacy engineering, I feel that they're also going to become like data and business strategy companies because of the significant influence they would have on DPOs, product team, and even CXOs. Isn't it amazing how in one generation we have gone from an offline society to a digital society where privacy is a mainstream topic of conversation now? The boons of the smartphone need to be enhanced with the right regulatory and technology protections. And companies like Privasapian are trying to do just that. Thank you for tuning into Smartphone Nation. I'm Utsav. And I am Nivedita. This was Smartphone Nation. Tune in next week for another story on how the next half billion are shaping their future online. If you like our show, please subscribe to the Smartphone Nation YouTube channel. Don't forget to rate and review us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Share this episode with your friends as it helps the show reach more people. You can listen and subscribe to Smartphone Nation on the IVM Podcasts app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is also available in Hindi and Tamil. A special thanks to OMDR Network India for making this season possible. To know how ONI is partnering with bold and purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are working to improve the lives of India's next half billion, visit omidianetwork.in. Tell us what you think of the show. You can find our hosts on Twitter and Instagram. Utsav can be found on the Instagram ID at YWeTravel42. You can reach out to Nivedita on Instagram at niv.prakasam. You can follow IVM on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at the ID at IVM Podcasts.